the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Dr. Chen is the pastor at Grace Church of the Bay Area, a church committed to glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through verse-by-verse expository preaching to learn exactly what God has revealed in His Word. Now, here's Dr. Chen with today's message. We use the term lukewarm Christian a lot. Well, he's just a lukewarm Christian. Right? Yeah, he's just, there's a lot of things in his life. He's just in a place in his, in his career, and, and he just was born into a very successful and prominent family, and so he's a lukewarm Christian. Because he just has to, has this a little bit, we wouldn't say it this way, but basically a conformity to the world, but he's trying to transform and, and be like God and, and trying to navigate the two. He's a lukewarm Christian. And that's what we mean when we mean when we say that. But do you know where that phrase is used in Scripture? It's used in Revelation when God says the lukewarm Christian who is neither hot nor cold, I will spit out of my mouth. It's not, they're there, it's okay, keep trying. I will spit them out of my mouth. In other words, you're not a Christian. You can't have both. If I took a a cup of yellow, yellow watercolor and I added just one little drop of blue, it doesn't make it less yellow. It makes it a different color. And that's what we have seen throughout 1 Corinthians. You can't have both. You are either one or the other. It is not enough to have a mind focused on God with some secular worldview mixed in. You end up with a totally different color. In other words, you end up with a totally different faith, not the one of the Bible. And still in Romans 12, when you jump back to verse 1, you see the incredible importance of this because it is tied directly into your worship. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You want to be a holy sacrifice. Right? You, don't, you, want, you don't want to be like in the Old Testament offering strange fire and being burnt up. You don't want to be the guy who's, who's, and how worldly is this, right? Keep the good sheep, keep the good animals for myself, and we're just going to burn up the animals on the altar anyway, so I'm going to give them the, the maimed one, the one that's not good to eat, the one that's not good to work in the field because I want to have the good stuff for myself. This is worldliness. And God says, no, no. And he killed people for that. We want to be a living and holy sacrifice. We want to be acceptable to God. We know that we are because of Christ. But what we're talking about here is our behavior. And we want to be able to worship God. How often do we say, I wish there was something tangible that I could just just pay, uh, over, pay too much money for the, the, the perfect sheep and offer it at an altar and say, this is for my God. That is what you're worth. 
because it is so much harder to change our hearts, to behave in a godly way. That is your sacrifice. That is your spiritual service of worship. And so if this is your heart, if you want to be holy, if you want to honor God, if you want to be acceptable, if you want to serve and worship biblically so that God is pleased and you are that fragrant aroma, how do you do that? Verse 2, don't be conformed to the world. There is a direct connection between your role model and your worship. Now understand on a practical level, there are places where the pressure to conform to the world will be harder, stronger than others. It's wise to know those areas so that you can be on guard. For example, for most of you, who work in a secular environment, even if you're just uh, hopping on Zoom these days, it's still true that there will be more worldly pressure at work than at home. And it's not just because you're not working with Christians. It's because of what those non-Christians believe. Get more. Get more money. Get more promotions. Gossip. Whatever it may be. Another area would simply be there's more worldly pressure if you watch a lot of TV than if you're reading your Bible, listening to sermons, reading blogs, things like that. Even some physically cities and parts of the country will have greater and different pressures, and we need to be aware of that. What is it that the world is trying to conform us to? But really, there's nothing new under the sun. It's the same things, appealing to your pride, appealing to your sense or or desire for self-worth. To make you the king, using Paul's terminology, success, popularity. But as I was saying earlier, in in more liberal cities, you have the pressure to value social issues more than biblical issues. And so even if you're moving, you need to understand where you're going. If you're going to a city that is well known to be extremely liberal, you need to make sure that there are places to worship that are like-minded. And again, that is a testament to your thinking. If it's just good job, better money, I can afford a house, things will be more comfortable for us there. And people say, mm, that, even the liberals know that that's a liberal city. Where are you going to go to church? Oh, I haven't thought about that. Do you not see even in that, even in that noble desire to do better for your wife and kids is worldly thinking? And I have actually seen that. I I have seen like-minded, godly men who have moved to one of the most liberal cities in our country, Portland, and changed. And it's all about social issues now and not about Christ. But... The same can even be in conservative cities. If you were to move to a red state or the Bible Belt, you now have the pressure to act legalistically as a Christian rather than truly worshiping God. Even that is a worldly standpoint. So be aware. Be smart. Don't underestimate the power of cultural peer pressure. Because cultural peer pressure does not stand out. It is the norm. Peer pressure, 
as we probably most commonly associate it with in high school, it actually stands out, right? It's just the three or four kids that have to sneak out of class where the majority, 95% of the kids are still in class. They have to sneak out behind the bleachers and go smoke or drink their daddy's whiskey or whatever it is. It stands out. It's not the norm. As adults, the worldly peer pressure, the temptation of conformity that we're talking about here, that is the norm. That is the norm. And so we have to be extra aware of it. It's kind of like going through a haunted house. It's not just dark because that's scarier. It's dark so you don't see the people that are going to pop out and scare you. And so your eyes are adjusted, and so they make it darker, and, and it's, it's just the norm, right? You, you don't, it's not like you're, you're aware because you know that your husband's trying to play a prank on you because it's April Fool's Day, and he's going to hop out of somewhere. So you're extra on your guard. The world is just this big haunted house where after a while, people come scare you, and people are doing, uh, depicting gruesome things, and you're like, well, of course, And you kind of let your guard down and just enjoy it. And then you get in trouble. I mean, think about it. If someone says, man, I, you know, I know I'm starting down here at your level, but I really, I'm going to work my way up and, and hopefully someday I'll be on the board. I'll be a CEO. That doesn't surprise you at all. That doesn't surprise you when your coworker says that. When, when someone says, you say, why, why do you keep asking for a promotion? And someone says, well, I really want a Mercedes Benz. That doesn't surprise you. It's the norm of the world. So we have to be extra careful. Because even when you don't deliberately or consciously choose the world as your role model, you may very well be following the world as your role model. You just don't know it. I know I've said this many times before over the years, but I see this all the time in the church. I see this all the time in Christians, people who, who, who even are asking for financial help, and you go into their home, and their home is filled with toys, filled with the, the nicest stereos and the nicest furniture and all kinds of things that it doesn't even fit in their home anymore. That's the world. That's the world. I can't support the church because we're just struggling financially. And then they buy another high-priced item. They buy more real estate, whatever it may be. Well, do you not see that that's the world? There's a reason the Bible speaks so much about money. There's a reason that statistically finances are the greatest cause of divorce in our country. Right? Not adultery, not problems with children's finances, money. There's a reason where you have to fight yourself to justify writing a check to the church or missionary thinking, where does this really go? Do we really need this? I don't get anything out of it. Maybe your mind, even in our particular situation, wanders and says, well, I've seen... Pastor Roger, he has a a nice car. He has a nice house. Does he really need this? And then it becomes, again, a worldly thinking because it becomes about me because your check goes directly in my pocket. No, it doesn't. It's about you and the Lord and worshiping the Lord. I mean, 
you think you're hurting financially? I know missionaries that have to change lifelong dreams and vocations because no one can support them anymore. I mean, we need to think. We need to understand where the world infiltrates us. And it's not just about money. You know, I don't want to be one of those pastors that just talks about money, but I talk about it because that's one of the primary ways that I've seen people struggle and think it's okay to live like the world. Well, my, I can't give right now because we're saving up for a house. Is that really? Do you not see that, that that's worldly thinking? And I get that there's a place for that. I get that you need to protect your family. You need to provide for your family. But we need to be so careful. Why do you go into work? Why are you asking for a promotion? Why are you doing everything that you do? We need to take a hard look and see where our wisdom is following the world's wisdom. And God is saying, you know better than to follow that foolishness. Well, let's move on. And this falls right in line with worldly thinking. The fourth critical area of life that's determined by your role model is reputation. Reputation. And this does, of course, uh, kind of bleed into what we looked at last week with status. Look at the end of verse 10. He says, we are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. In his continuation of his comparison between the apostles and the Corinthians, Paul makes two particular distinctions. The first is weak versus strong. Again, he's using sarcasm here. The weakness of the apostles that he speaks of here reflects the weakness of God displayed at the cross as his saving power. It's the weakness in God's people that assumes and relies upon God's strength. And we read this earlier in in verse 27 of chapter 1. Again, the apostles are considered as of no account by the world. Right? We are we are weak. We are unimpressive. We are of no reputation. That sound familiar? Philippians 2 says that Jesus emptied himself or in the KJV made himself of no reputation. The Corinthians on the other hand saw themselves as influential and powerful. They were strong, Paul says. And what's more, Paul continues with a second distinction. Distinguished versus without honor, or if you have the ESV, in disrepute. The Corinthians act as if they are distinguished, as if they are held in honor the ESV and NIV say. They believe they are treated as eminent and important, worthy to be noticed, worthy to be given attention. Of course, in their case, a lot of it is self-proclaimed honor. It is given to themselves. The apostles, on the other hand, are without honor. They are treated with contempt. They are without honor in the world, and especially among those that mattered to the world the rich and powerful. They are disgraced. They could have easily imposed honor on themselves and have been right to give their lives for the Creator. Is there anything more honorable than that? But they avoided that temptation. They didn't do it. They saw themselves as God saw them. Again, a sinner, a servant, a steward saved by 
grace in daily need of that same grace. And so the question for us is, who do you want to be? What do you seek? Again, as I said with status, it is not wrong to be honored if that's what the Lord has for you. But that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is what your passion is, what your desire is. Not that we are to desire to be treated poorly, but we should be willing to be if that's what it means for Christ's sake, if that's what it means to live the way God wants us to live. And let's be honest, that does happen when you are vocal about your faith. Not to the degree that the apostles faced, not to the degree that Christians all around the world faced, but to some degree it does. The more vocal you are, the more people realize you are a fool according to them at least? Or are you like the Corinthians who are self-important? People who aren't distinguished but think themselves to be honored because that's what they want so badly. In fact, they want it so badly they start believing it and if others don't honor them, they honor themselves and that's exactly why they created those factions as a way to build themselves up. So when it comes to reputation, who's your role model? We have people in our church who have a good uh, uh, reputation in terms of status, in in terms of, of tears within our society that God has given them and praise God as they seek to use that for God's glory. There are others that most of us have never met. Those who the world considers celebrities because they have excelled in their fields of sports and entertainment and business who are Christians. And God, in his grace, has granted them those positions and praise God again for them that they use that to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And if the Lord gives that to you, if you right now, someone who doesn't have much reputation by the world's standards, if you are someone who just desires reputation, desires reputation, just wants to be praised by the world and only sprinkles in God because it sounds good, because you're convicted by the Spirit. Oh yeah, of course, you know, and for God. Praise be to God. But you realize it's really for your own ego. I hope you understand that should you attain that status, you will not use it for God's glory. Your reasoning for getting it was not for God's glory. Your heart is not right right now. And you're really telling me when you pursue the world's wisdom and the world gives you what you want, that all of a sudden you're going to click and use it for God's glory? You will not. Get your heart right now. So if that does happen, you really don't care anymore for the reputation and you give it all to the Lord. So six critical areas of life that are determined by whom you choose to follow. Last week we saw spirituality and status. This morning we saw wisdom and reputation. The reality is those who truly follow Christ are to share in his foolishness, in his weakness and humiliation before the world. 
And that ties right in to how you view or who you follow in terms of wisdom and reputation. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. Sounds so good, doesn't it? To be called distinguished, to be called strong, to be called prudent or wise. And it is possible if you love the world that much that you would completely miss the sarcasm of the Apostle Paul here. And that's what happens. You, you go down that road. You're so self-absorbed. You're so focused on the world that you would even misinterpret Scripture to justify and feed that. You say you can't see that happening? Turn on your TV as soon as we're done here. And when those cameras and those mega churches pan to the crowd, look at how many tens of thousands are there listening to a demon misinterpret God's Word in the name of a pastor so that they can justify their self-love and love of the world. It is a slippery slope and the temptation is strong. And it comes down to whom you choose to follow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul not only in his life, in his testimony, but even in his rebuke of the Corinthians. Father, you know how tempting it is. And it's not just physical hunger or thirst. You, Lord Jesus, endured the temptation. You went before us. When your greatest enemy offered you the world, offered you everything to be satisfied and comfortable. He offered you as a means to that offering, ironically, to avoid painful suffering, emotional distress, and death. Father, I pray that you would help us as a church to be the type of person, the type of people that follow your wisdom and are willing to endure whatever it may be that comes because of it. Not focusing on the the fear of man or focusing on what the world may not give us, but focusing on the joy and the service and the privilege and the glory of our Creator. Father, thank you that you have blessed those of us who have good jobs and you have used us for your glory as an example of those who work hard and have integrity with our finances and our tongues and the office gossip. But help us, Lord, not to be tempted, not to be tempted by the things of the world, but to be thankful and to be good stewards, not to reject raises and promotions for some sort of weird legalistic righteousness, 
but to accept it, but in a way that honors you and to use that reputation and money for your glory. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be people who recognize even our own greed, our own selfishness, our own egos, our own jealousies and envy and judgmental hearts as we look at the world and try to be like the world. Guard us against that, Lord. Father, there are so many. There are so many, with money and without money, even in our own church, that love money and don't even know it. May you reveal it to them and may they change by your grace. There are so many in our church, Lord, that desire to be rich and famous, that pull others down through their gossip and their slander, that look at the nice cars and the big houses and want that and somehow twist your scriptures to justify that. Father, I pray that you would grant repentance to their hearts. Even those who are content where they are in terms of their relationships and in terms of their jobs, Lord, there are many who still like to tear down and judge even in the comforts of their own bubble to lift themselves up. I pray for them too that you would grant heavy and swift repentance. Whatever other area, Lord, that all of us are in our individual lives or looking to the world, tempted by the world, may we turn away from that for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You're invited to join them for worship service in Burlingame, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit the website gracebayarea.org for directions and other information or to view a live stream of the service. As a listener-supported program, we ask that you consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Donations can be made through our website, kfax.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.